0: Right. Because like one of the other things that is kind of is kind of really getting to me is like the information that's coming out about the family members of these people. Right. Like obviously that 19 year old kid should not have died. Nobody should have died. No one deserves to get crushed at the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. But also like. They knew the risks. They signed a waiver that mentioned, like, non-rescuable and death, like, three times on the first page. They knew really? LA. would was- Yeah, that's what the, I didn't waiver, the said. waiver I didn't I, read the waiver. I, I, didn't, I didn't read the waiver. I didn't read the waiver either, but I saw a video that said it mentioned death three times on on the first page alone. So, like, they knew what they were getting into. Like, part of this fucking submersible was held together with glue. Like, it was... It was bad. No, it really was... It was made out of carbon fiber. Like, it would never have...
1: Um, well, for me, one of the things that there's that David Pogue, I think his name is mm-hmm. um, from CBS Sunday Morning. And he, uh, I am always really enjoyed his take on things. He has like sort of a humorous but thoughtful way of communicating about things. And he did, a, he went last year. And so his videos have gone crazy live. And um, he he's very funny and he's like, whoa, that doesn't seem like a good idea. And so they've been going really live and he b- brought up how like terribly made it is and he shows it on CBS Sunday morning. But to me, the underlying point is that um, the, the whatever CEO, whatever his name is, Stockton Rush, he also is one of those people, and so many people in this world are, that both believe that the business should have no no regulation because yeah. that's the most important thing. But free market wins every time. Like, but <laughs> when push comes to shove, his company was upset because the, you know, Coast Guard wasn't doing enough to find him. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, libertarians can only be libertarians when they have all these Democrats
0: making sure that their streets are plugged. No shit, right? Because remember how I told you about that libertarian town where, like, they all got together and they had no municipal services, so it just ended up being a stinky garbage town where there was just trash everywhere all the time. But, like, one of the other things that's really getting me is how when people first started making memes, right, and there was the pushback of people who were like, how this is so distasteful, imagine what the families are going through. Turns out one of the kids of the billionaires was at a Blink 182 concert. Um, also, what has come to light about him, he's a stalker. He's like, have has like stalking charges against him. He yeah. tried to be like a mass shooter at a concert. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and was arrested for that. So the fact that he was like allowed to go to a Blink 182 concert is really bizarre. But also, just like, I there is a certain, there is something that like being in proximity to extraordinary wealth, it does something to your brain and to humanity. And like, when I heard that he was that kind of person, I was like, oh, that tracks. (laughs) Like, none of that surprises me. Well, years ago, I was talking to some colleagues
1: um, at work. And, um, you know, like, if you're in the uh, art, I have not really met very many people. I'd have to think really hard. Mm -hmm. And I'd met I mean hundreds thousands of museum professionals and arts professionals i haven't met that many people who come from uh lower middle class backgrounds right because you have to have usually you come from privilege you know um but i was talking to a couple people and most people are like me like upper middle class like us uh but one of the people i was talking to um was like uber wealthy um Mm -hmm. and we were talking but but uh had married into uber wealthy i should and so was raised like upper middle class
0: married into uber wealthy that's like the most uber wealthy thing you can do though i know it's true it's true
1: i haven't met that many i mean i guess i've met because of the arts you know you meet the uber wealthy but like it's you know you always know that you're the hoi polloi you're not like they're not like chumming it up with me um and as the internet tells me i'm only a three so i'm not marrying into uber wealthy um but uh we were talking about I was say we were just joking and I was saying we were talking about like become like ac- like accidentally somebody what somebody brought up. What would you do if you became uber wealthy? And this person who was um, married into uber wealthy was there, but wasn't like it wasn't the kind of person that you'd be like, that person is super uber wealthy. You know what I mean? Like kind of normal. And um, and I was saying, dude, I would become such a bitch. And they were like, no, you wouldn't. Seema. And I was like, I would. No, nah. I would totally become a bitch and i would be really mean to all the rich people who were mean to like my team here Mm -hmm. you know because like i led a team and people were nasty to people the people who are nasty to cleaners yeah and the people and they were like but that's a sign that you weren't raised uber wealthy because and this woman was saying she was like you know part of the thing is that this idea that you have humility and that you're almost like this Robin, like you know, you're thinking even in like a vaguely, you
0: yeah. know, like emotional vigilante, way. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, like, um, is that's like not even in their mindset. Like you're not even, you can't even like empathize with them because you don't understand like this mindset of being so different than no, everyone else. No, it's and it's feeling funny. like ordained to be that way. It's true. It's true. And I've,
0: I've always thought about that. I've seen it happen with people in my life who have, like mm. come into contact with a lot more money than they used to have,
1: yeah. no, it's true. It is like a totally different mindset. I do think, though, I mean, the the thing so I don't think it's art, but i the 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 memes, but I do think it lends itself to the, like these are really tough, weighty issues, right? like the the privilege that we're talking about right now, that is something that's so. Uh, fundamental to the challenges we feel in society, mm-hmm. right? This attention, right, and that this tension is something. And I think this is where people, you know, hate contemporary art. They hate modern art on my page, anyway. Um, but um, but what they're doing on TikTok by making memes is actually very similar to contemporary art. It's trying to deal with these weighty issues. It's like a release it's valve. It's a release valve, and yeah. I do think those memes are so similar, like when we, when we think of, when I was thinking about the submersible, and um, I kept thinking of the Raft of the Medusa. Mm. Mm -hmm. You know, like that, you know, Jericho's famous painting of this sort of tragedy, it's of course sort of a tragedy, but it's also one that was manufactured by colonialism. Yeah, right. And um, you know, there's a, a, uh, the Medusa being a a French ship that goes down and all these people die. Um, or, um, you know, Thomas Cole, there's a lots of images in history where lots of situations in history where tragedies like um, the Goya image mm-hmm. of uh, from, you know, Mexico of the revolution or,
0: Artists have very often This is and also like the the job of photographers, right? This is where photojournalists find and this is where a lot of photographers in the past have like found their global success, right? Right. It's white people, more often than not, wealthy white people with rich families going into communities and spaces that are not of their experience Mm -hmm. and trying to represent people with whatever intentions they have and often getting it wrong or doing it in a way where it's not that ethical yeah um, they're
1: they're often getting it biased. it right that's like it's the bias of it and I think that that's to me where that, I mean and I, I do think though that art art object like the raft of the Medusa mm-hmm. forever will be the depiction will be the story of that situation yeah and you know there's so many times like the um, what's it called the um, you know the last days of Saigon that there's all of those photojournalist photographs that are what we, as a culture, see as the last moment. Yeah. Um, and 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 I think that like so many tragedies, are being are often translated through visual imagery, and in that way, all of the visuals about the submersible, are now part of our cultural ethos. Like I don't know that there could be anybody in the U.S who hasn't seen at least one picture of that submersible. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how you like, would have managed that.
0: I don't know. God, it's just, it's so bizarre living in an era where it all just kind of gets consumed so quickly. Uh-huh. I can't quite, I can't remember the photographer's name, but you know, that you you're going to know the photo I'm talking about of like the dead child and the hand, like on top of. Mm-hmm. I don't, who's the photographer? I don't know. I know what you mean though.
1: I know the one you mean. I was thinking of this one, you know, inter- this one here. Do
0: you know this one? Can you? I can't see it very well. Can you
1: text it to me? Yeah. Um, that uh, I think that I mean I think that there are a number of ones. I also think of there's a there's one from Time Magazine of a living kid who's standing in a house somewhere in let's say Appalachia, mm-hmm. um, and there's a a human like they're they're doing like the wake at their house, mm-hmm. and I I think that, but I think that if we said. If we said to you, like, and I think to any listener, if you think of any, um, like, if you think. Oh, th- I know this photograph. Yeah. yeah. Um, of a, it's a baby, who, a, ch- a toddler, maybe it's a maybe young child, uh, who's died due to napalm and the, somebody's holding the dead baby and walking yeah. and it's in Vietnam.
0: But I think I'm that. The same photographer who did the, um, the people running, right? Yes, it is. It is. It is. It is. It is. Yeah, it is um but I think is that more is the more famous one right the little girl who's screaming and crying yeah yeah
1: yeah and but I think if we said to you about any any 20th century tragedy
0: you would probably have a visual pop Mm -hmm. into your head before a fact Evelyn McHale and like you know how Andy Warhol turned like her the image of her death into like quote-unquote art right Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, there was, there seemed to be something that we were like, it was more consumable, like the the visuals of tragedy. Mm-hmm. I think in that 20th century era.
1: Well, I think actually it's that humans are visual first, mm-hmm. and so I, I mean, I, I think like even the submersible, mm-hmm. the minute after we said that it imploded, I was seeing TikToks
0: on how it imploded. Oh, you know, I, like I generated I one, TikToks. I saw one about. Um, Someone posted about, like, here's what happens to, here's, like, a story of, like, it was, like, dolphin something. It was, like, an oil rig somewhere where they had a submersible that imploded. And it was, like, don't look this up if you don't want to, if you're, like, squeamish, but, like, look it up if you want to know what happens to bodies, like, after implosion. I don't want to know. I looked. <laughs> <laughs> um, different people. I know. People. I don't always look at stuff like that. Like, I never look at crime photos. I think that's No, me neither. Gross um it makes me really uncomfortable but I was like
1: but that's the other thing like no I mean you know but but I think that's human nature right um to be curious and I think that our cure uh, but I I think about this even in my you know um very poor attempt at becoming more physically fit if I see like ways to, you know, ways to strengthen your back, ways to, you know, old people getting muscle mass and all that, whatever whatever things I'm reading. If it's all text, I'm like, dude, I'm out. No, really, really. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that our brains need a visual and tragedy is one of the hardest things for humans to understand. And so it becomes a place, and I do think it's a place where artists can help us make sense of it. Like I think of those valet, like Valeton, Felix Valeton did those, Prints about protests mm-hmm. that look sort of like monopoly pieces, yeah, yeah, but yeah. they're very, very interesting. They help us understand. Or monks, you know, the Scream. These are all sort of. It's a, that's a personal, like in like emotional tragedy, maybe. But, um, but they're all biased. And I think for me, one of the things that we forget is that imagery is biased.
0: Oh my god, y'all has no idea. <laughs> so like. A friendly reminder that, you know, Richard Avedon is, like, considered best in the industry, right? And he openly admitted that he only photographs his own imaginative overlay over people. And when he photographed the, like, impoverished working class in America, he he compared it entirely and directly stated that he represented them like a Hollywood fantasy. And it's not – you can't create your – Vision of something, which photography is—it's very much an extension of how we see and our perception. And I think you're you're foolish to think that you can create something outside of the cultural the cultural context that you come from. Like it's just it's just fundamentally not possible. But one of the things that I'm thinking of is that a lot of those photos that we have that kind of exist in the contemporary art world—you know—that we were just talking about, like the photos from Vietnam—they mm-hmm. were kind of like news first and then ended up in art spaces yeah and i don't think we see suffering and tragedy in the same way i don't think that we get shown visual depictions like that anymore in like news media
1: no i agree i agree i mean i think that like i was thinking that somebody was saying that they saw the virtual reality by um um what is the what is the um there's a artist who's israeli who did a vr about palestine i can't think of his name mm-hmm. um, i'll have to look him up but um but that and i i know that i've t- i've talked to people about like now the the art made. Made. israeli artist i'm almost palestine. positive i'm almost positive i'm gonna have to look it up afterwards you keep talking i'll look it up okay so but i think that let's let's some artist did something about a vr about palestine let's say that but um, but I think that the challenge is and the reason that art persists is because as media becomes more and more quick, the artists of like, the the artistry of photojournalism decreases, right? Mm-hmm. And so somebody has to pick up that thing because I think of Jericho's raft of the Medusa, which to me is a hallmark image of tra- an artist you like depicting tragedy mm. it is supposed to evoke emotion right like all of those writhing bodies and tragedy it's supposed to like summarize all the feelings about that moment more than tell you the story of that moment and i think a lot of what we see in terms of right now imagery associated with news is that it's just literally illustrating the words yeah. Instead yeah. of sharing the feelings or getting you to a different place in that concept. Now, I you know, Rafter the Medusa we started with is biased and as is all all tragedy imagery. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least it is poetic, at least it is emotional. And I think you're right. I don't see that kind of level uh, of um power
0: in The vast majority of images I see. We seem to have closed ourselves off from looking at the consequences of the hellscape that we live in, I think. Um, There seems to be a sort of uh, sanitizing that has taken place, I would say, probably since like the 70s um, in terms of tragedy visuals that we consume in news media. Mm-hmm. I feel like the 70s um, was probably the last time that we really saw direct effects of what, you know, war looks like.
1: Yeah, I definitely think, like, the Iraq War, the even, like, Nicaragua, like, a lot of those things we've decided that we're going to pretend like... I don't know what it is. I mean, I, I think, like, even thinking about when you see stories about... U.S military officials massacring villages mm-hmm. the way they're depicted are
0: so different it's like boys with Xbox controllers rather than mm. like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. people who are trained to be war machines
1: but that's also why the arts are so important that's why vi- like like that this is where if 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 you don't and you know in some ways the arts have been for a very long time not not always right the, i mean i think about like early, the the earliest depictions of the military were also not poetic you know they were not telling you it. they were not feeling anything right so like it's not it's not that the arts have for always told uh showed tragedy in a way the text can't no. but it is a strength of art
0: it is and one of the things that kind of concerns me about the contemporary art world is that it also has seen an extraordinary sanitization. Right? Yeah, that's true. Which is that that's we true. we don't get... Like, if the submarine submersible was put into the contemporary art space and the artists who were chosen for that, I feel like we would see people... Like, we would see... Like, people on the rescue teams who had proximity to money, blah, 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 blah. We we would never see the refugees who were directly impacted by the billionaire. No, it's true. Like, it would be... It would be the equivalent of, like, white artists getting the main voice in the room on climate change, which is what happens consistently. Right. Right. And... I think that sanitization is like a good word for it because it's just sure. this kind of like absolute cleansing of anything we think people can't handle. We don't want them right. in proximity to, gives them like too many feelings about institutions because you can't have people coming into these institutions where lots of money and art circulates and have people leave going, or oh, maybe we shouldn't have these spaces. Like it just directly goes against the industry. Um, <laughs> Well, I mean, it is interesting. BP, the British Museum
1: pulled out of uh, um, having BP funding. Oh, really? hmm mm-hmm. And this is after lots of protests, mm-hmm. lots and lots of protests. But I, I also think the British, but like, you know, the British Museum could do that because it probably has a lot of other funding, and they're probably still getting that funding through some sort of... You know, the do- I'm sure that they have figured this out. Like, it's not yeah. like they were like, "We just say no and we're gonna do less."
0: Or they're not going. They're not moving without a safety net. Right. Exactly. Exactly. There's no way. Yeah. But, but I, but I think that.
1: I mean, I think you're right that the arts have had are all you know, they, they have their own precarity. But I do think that the arts can t- still takes risks because risks oh, yeah. be good for business too.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, but there, but- are, there are also still artists who are making the work that we need to see, and they are, they do get shown. It's just not as yeah. common. Yeah. So, like, I, re- I already know who I'm going to be talking about in terms of that, where we move on to, um, you know, I guess media recommendations. But I think it's important to also recognize that there is space for it. It's just something that I think we have to actively keep carving out ourselves, um, mm-hmm. space mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. creating spaces like deliberately for those conversations.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree, and I think that to me, you know, thinking about like the Wrath of Medusa or like tragedies, mm-hmm. the tragedies of this last week, the aquatic tragedies of this last week um, you know, the refugees. And then I think for me, the submersible, the tragedy is that there's a lot of tragedies in it. I, I mean, I, I think, you know, obviously the human life, I I, I don't applaud the loss of human life, particularly, um, neither does it. I don't applaud it. And i sort of feel neutral about it truthfully, mm. but I think that the tragedy of it, there's a lot of tragedy within it. Like the CEO basically ignoring his staff, like ignoring the CEO. His, like, safety yeah. chief officer, like it's exactly. just ridiculous taking PPP money. Um, I think just that's ego tragic, it. yeah. The ego, the masculine ego yeah. of it. I think that there's a tragedy in how much of these in international services, right? The coast, so the coast guard. It was, I guess, the boat that takes so them out pain. is a Canadian boat. So yeah, now the it was Canadian, Canadian government yeah,
0: yeah it was like, is going to do a... yeah. So, like, think about... I that. saw that. I saw that. I saw a Canadian woman who was like, so my money's going towards, like, rescuing these fucking idiots who, like, made a choice? Right. So, like, all of our money is being funneled. Like, I, you know,
1: I. it was the U.S. Coast Guard. Mm-hmm. I and you pay taxes to the U.S. Yeah. Right? Like, and I would, like, and I am... You know, I am like very much about social services and paying taxes and
0: levies and like, you know, I, but there are certain things we have to do to have municipal services so we don't end up like a stinky libertarian town. Right. So like, uh, but I don't necessarily
1: think that my services, I also feel like my services should not go for this person. And so those
0: are, I think there's a lot of,
1: and then there's, I think a tragedy of the 1% that would, they
0: exist. You're right. It is a tragedy in and of itself. Yeah, I think that it exists, and that I know that 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 kind of had the cadence of a joke, but neither of us are joking. No,
1: no, I think (laughs) it's a true. I think it is tragic that our society has such disparity, and I, Mm -hmm. I, I. It's just it's tragic.
0: It's tragic um, that most people think that they are closer to the five people in this in the submersible than they are to the 700 I plus know. people who are immigrating from dangerous political situations which we are in the middle of.
1: No, like, or that they could like I also think it's funny that they perceive that their ability to become that billionaire
0: I, am, I don't know what you're it delusional. is I know what delusional. I don't what you it? What is it? It's a it's a narrative that exists I think within masculinity. It's cuz like I don't think I know very many women in my life or femmes, or feminine presenting people or people who have been raised as feminine. I don't think I know many people who are like I'm going to girl boss my way to the top. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought I never
1: thought I don't I mean like I mean I I think you you know, your life and frames are constructed by your childhood and your family and but absolutely I don't know any person who is like, you know what? All I need to do is to work hard to become a billionaire. There is
0: like there is like a mass I'm gonna say it. This I'm I'm gonna put this on the internet. There's like a mass hysteria within white masculinity in the West, right? Mm-hmm. There is like Y'all have walking womb syndrome or something because, like, you—it is absurd. It is—it is actually some kind of weird, delusional, out of touch with reality. Like, what's the phrase? A madness shed by two in French. God, I wish I could remember, but Bad Yeah, something like that. Folie à deux. Yes, that's it. Yeah. That's it. Um, I didn't know it was a phrase, but I do know those words in French. <laughs> well, that's like a thing. It's like a it's like a concept of madness shed by two. Um, yeah, I just there there's a cultural narrative. There's like an Andrew Tate kind of effect and imaginative overlay, right? That seems to have made its way into like how masculinity thinks about itself. Because again. There's no women going to the bottom of the ocean to desecrate old grave sites. <laughs> like, that's just not fucking happening. And also, it's like, yeah, I would, it's a, it's a okay. pissing contest, right? It's a pissing contest. And now we have, like, Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk who are like, let's get into a ring and fight each other. What the fuck? Like, these people are unhinged. I actually would kind of want to see that because Mark Zuckerberg's been like, what do you mean? they really, that's a joke, right? No, Mark Zuckerberg challenged Elon Musk to a physical fight. Huh. They're bonkers. There's so many people, like you know. I mean,
1: we, I was saying earlier, like I just, I just can't even. Like my brain doesn't even work that well. I don't know how to even process these kinds of things. I but this goes. Like, I mean, this yeah. to sort of the point of this episode that I think that, yeah, that while those memes are not, <laughs> <this episode. laughs> while those memes are not art. Yeah. I do think that one of the sad things to me is that because we no longer put art because there's like so little artistry in popular media. Like you know, so the photojournalism there's less of it. There's there's more imagery and less that actually tells you something to feel. Yeah. It's more and-
0: documentation rather than right. expression.
1: Right. that I think that what actually has happened also is that there are so many feelings people are having about such big issues and they don't have a way to make sense of it. Mm-hmm. And I think like this whole idea, like, you know, we all speak language, but not all of us engage in text.
0: Yeah. And well, so the ubiquitous photograph is the new social language, right?
1: Yes. Yes. But like, But people, I was saying the other day, somebody was saying to me at work about like, well, I don't even know why this uh, ad worked. And I was like, oh, I do. (laughs) And I like, I deconstructed the picture and they were like, oh. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yes, because not everyone has media literacy. You do not speak the language of visuals. Everybody receives visuals, but not everybody understands the
0: cues underlying it. It is few and far between people who can read the like subtext of an image and what you're being sold. Yeah. There's yeah. Very, very few and far between. Um, and that's finally, why they profit, right? Yeah, yeah. By the way, on our Patreon, I did a poll for what we should do for one of our next episodes and people mm-hmm. want, people are keen for critical thinking 101. So, oh, yeah. What a great topic. Yeah. I love that. That's a good one. Well, um, it's kind of like giving people an in into kind of how to read these things, right? Because that's like, that's one of the reasons i think that balenciaga ad campaign really tipped tipped so far right was because it was so yeah. obvious what they were doing it was so obvious that they were advocating for child like sex trafficking essentially because
1: there was as i had said with that Did they, it was made up right they were just doing it for the press right what i didn't hear that yeah that like the guy was kind of um I, th- I I had read an article that he was basically, like, it was, like, trumped up so that, that Balenciaga could get depressed. That somebody who was working there had put in some of those extra pieces. I don't know if that's true, but that's what I had read.
0: I still think that there's a I don't think that you have the idea to make that kind of shit unless you're connected to something really fucking dark. Um... Maybe, I mean, maybe, maybe, you know, I was thinking, you know, we well, that's, like... that's what the Kardashians do. And they're like their biggest kind of, you know, commercial, uh, like, uh, ties, I guess. And like one of the major influences that they work with is the Kardashians because those women cannibalize their own children and put them in BDSM wear to go to events. Like they know what they're doing. No, I mean, they know I, what yeah. they're doing. But let, that's the other
1: thing though. they're so tuned in. It made me think, you know, we had said that photo like I think photojournalism is less strong. Mm. But then I think about it, but that's why when an image is so powerful about a moment, mm. that it becomes such a big deal. And I was thinking yeah. about, and I can't find it right now, but the image of um it was during one of the Black Lives Matter protests where it was a very attractive woman in a like a kind of khaki dress, I think, standing with against police. Oh, I remember that, and that it picked up because it, because a good artwork about tragedy encapsulates more than the 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 facts, and is something that steps out of that time. Mm. It's the same with that image of. Well, it um, speaks
0: to like a larger sense of tragedy that we know right. through history, right? That's and right. This is- and I think this is where like I can actually talk with this kind of stuff with a bit of authority because that's like what my practice is. I take visual archetypes from the past to comment on now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there's also a certain kind of language within photojournalism of moments like that where it's like, you know, makes me think about the guy uh, standing against the army tank with his little suitcase. Yes. Case right? Yes. Like it's, it has that same energy. It has that same connotation. It has that same, like, here's this person coming up against institutional power and money and violence. Um, You just said the word actually that we have been missing yet in this podcast.
1: It has a connotation. And I think that's the summary of why an artwork. And that's why those memes are not art because they don't connote anything beyond this moment in this story love the word note sorry no it is a good word no but i think that a really good imagery of tragedy connotes more than that literal moment It's yep. something bigger
0: what it speaks to injustice it speaks to yeah. war it speaks to like what humans do which is essentially like our own destruction right mm-hmm. um or just you know trying to destroy the other yeah um yeah oh god it makes me sad um
1: i think that's the other thing it has to right it has to make you feel something yeah well otherwise that's
0: it well i mean i'm not gonna say those memes didn't make me feel things but uh i wouldn't say it's the same feeling um i think it also has to
1: stick with you i mean to me the one thing that also about those memes is is collectively as they were funny i don't know how much they made me feel something the one that actually, the 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 thing that made me feel the most was that um, TikTok where the guy was asking you to do that and, you know, to think more. Yeah. But those are words and not pictures. It
0: was, I honestly couldn't
1: quite tell you what the guy was wearing, what he looked like. It was the visuals meant nothing.
0: One of the things that I saw that really affected me, um, and I'll, I'll find it and send it to you. It's this guy who's talking about posting memes, but he's talking about it as though he's a stock market guy. And he's like, all right. So you want to like keep investing, keep investing. But now the tragedy's kind of reached its peak. You should really like divest and invest somewhere else because now it could look like a little bit, you know, a little bit unsavory. So he's like, but oh, he does interesting. it. It's really, it's, it's actually That's like, interesting. It's, a, it's an incredible, very layered, like, mm-hmm. and he's presenting it like as stocks, which is fucking fascinating and he took like the total language of fight eye guys being and it's like it's totally emotionless right he's talking about some like great tragedy and he's like yeah you really want to like get out of here man like it's so beautifully done some people are so good and also people so cool. people are, people so, are clever. so that's like people are so clever on the internet that's, that's my favorite thing about being on tiktok is to sit like, oh everyone's a bit of a funny cunt like yeah. that's that's kind of that's fun to be in yeah. proximity to like the, I, I gotta say I think the chicken nugget one will stick with me for a little
1: that's a pretty while. good one that's a good one but it's also not a meme right
0: I I guess not but it's... no I mean but I think to me the ones I'm thinking about are like the cap cut ones or... no this this was like a kind of cap cut thing it was, it was like nice. a video that someone had taken like from someone's oh, oh. or a YouTube and it's but just it- it's, it is it's yeah. a meme format, but it's not a template oh. like template. Okay.
1: That's what I mean. It's not a template because yeah. I do think that th- those also, I think the, the card is like a template. different thing. Yeah, yeah, and I think that the template to me, it's like oh, I mean, it is sort of like a zine, you know, in some <laughs> level. But uh-huh. but I think that it often decreases it. It empowers people who don't feel creative to be creative, but I also mm. then also disempowers people who don't know they could be more creative. Yeah, that's true. So we've been talking about tragedy in art, mm. and we always end with media recommendations. Yeah, and I have. First. Yeah, I have a media recommendation that is an old book, but one that I love. Um, it's Wonderstruck by Brian Selznick. Is that how you say his name? I guess. Um, he's the he. He's an illustrator and author, oh. um, and what I love about it is it's. Uh, it's not exactly about a... I guess it's about a personal tragedy. It's about a little boy who was hit by lightning and so lost his hearing. Mm. But it happened when um, Space Oddity came out. So he won? No, the song. Isn't that Space Oddity? Oh, right. Yeah, the David Bowie song. And so... In that, in the song, it's about a, another personal tragedy. Perhaps it's a astronaut who's in space and it's going to disappear, mm-hmm. and Uncle Tom, and it keeps. Talking. Isn't it uh, Major Tom? Major yeah, yeah, Tom. Yeah, yeah, I know the one. And, and the yeah, and so um, in it, it's like a that song is like one of the last ones he knew, and it really resonates with him because he feels like he has been cut off because he can't hear anymore, mm-hmm. um, and it talks about his sort of. St- Struggles and his, you know, path. And I kept thinking about that song, Major Tom, when they thought they were still alive in
0: that, yeah,
1: and how so much of why that song, I think, resonated with people. and then this book was one that, like, a lot of students had to read, so i I read it because my kids read it. um but that. I think a lot of people, to go back to the beginning of this sort of tragedy and the arts and how they connect to tragedy, I think it helps us make sense of it. And I think a lot of people, this whole thing and why this this submersible became so thing is because it plays into this true fear that everyone has that you'll sort of be in this tragic situation where you cannot, it's why avalanches, you know, plane crashes, all those things
0: that you would Humans love disaster. Yeah. Like we have a, it's like yeah. a morbidity, like, Victorian yeah. era. Like, we have yes. a, there's a macabre kind of obsession and I think it's, truthfully, I think it's more of a western thing Amazing. and I think it's because we don't have a very good way to process death in our culture. Yeah. Like, it's reserved, it's silent, it's not a celebration of life, it's Something that's seen as, like, it's an ending that seems to have, like, a period at the end of it that is so harsh, right, right? that it just, you know, like, in Catholicism and Christianity, there really isn't that idea of, like, the afterlife, there isn't this idea of, like, you kind of being, um, like, some people believe in ghosts, some people don't, sometimes, you know, it's just kind of, and I just think that we don't talk about death enough in, like, no yes, one's
1: prepared. in life. No one's we're not prepared not for it. About it. I think about, like, I remember when we were, I was once in a museum in Spain with my children and we were looking at their gothic art. Mm-hmm. And it so looked good. gory. yeah, So gory. And my kids yeah. were so sort of, um, you know, kind of, like, traumatized. And I thought, you know what's so funny is that my kids were little, but they've probably seen so much inadvertent
0: sexuality but so little death yeah yeah yes exactly exactly we are drenched in sexual imagery but like i follow i deliberately follow hospice nurses so because they talk about like i follow this woman who talks about teaching people about death like interesting there are so many things that we don't know just on like a cultural kind of shared cognitive basis And it makes going into those situations so much more frightening. And I think it creates this kind of macabre fascination around media that deals with death indirectly or tragedy Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. the idea of life ending. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. It's just, I don't know, I just don't, like we put people in these little boxes where they're closed off from the earth around them really, which I think is Mm -hmm. another really bizarre thing. I do think the art of death will be would be a good topic. Yeah. Well, Rob, this Kaguya episode. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll a whole lot about it. What's your media recommendation for this week? I would say my media recommendation is actually a contemporary artist and referring mm-hmm. printmaker. Uh, his name is Akra Shep, and I'll put his name in the show notes. Okay. But he is a photojournalist mm-hmm. and slash artist. And he gained a lot of recognition around the first financial crisis where he went Mm -hmm. and photographed the Wall Street protests. Oh, yeah. So you've probably seen some of his work. Um, And then he – I think I might have recommended him before, but very, very poignant. When he came to speak at my grad program, um, he showed us this project that he's been working on where he's been going into the South, essentially, to go and meet a bunch of white people. I should also Mm -hmm. preface He's not white. He's a person of color. He has started a new series which he's printing on really beautiful, fine, like Japanese paper. Mm. Um, he's into alternative process, which is one of the reasons nice. I love his work too. But he's been doing this project where he has been learning how to use guns essentially um, and a lot of the really uh, commonly used like assault rifles is what he's been learning. And he's been going out into these communities of people who are really lost in their racism and their fear. And he's doing photo projects and, like, hanging out with them and, like, you know, using guns with up. them. Fucking interesting, right? And he's kind of noticed this trend that all of these people are afraid of invasion. And that's, you know, they're all afraid of immigrants. They're all afraid of right people migrating to their country and their land. And that's why they, it's like a genuine, it is a genuine fear that they have, even if it's not based in reality. It's genuine fear that they have that they physically have to protect themselves with weaponry. And I think we're Mm. seeing it more and more in Florida Mm. and like how it's, I saw a video the other day from someone who was like, I've lived here all my life. And in the last few years, it's really escalated. Like you, there are certain parts of Florida where like, if you walk on someone else's property, you will die. And that's just the culture of Florida now. So, Akrashev wants to live like that. I don't know. But, like, I can't imagine living in such extreme fear and then being like, oh, these men with lots of money who are killing themselves by whoopsie daisies at the bottom of the ocean with a fucking Logitech controller are the deities and the people that we should be worshipping in this society. It's like, dude, for the love of God, just just but I think that's that also business why... and capitalism could exist separately and you could still have both like you could still you could start businesses
1: to the capitalism two, it's at the same time
0: but i think that's also
1: why these people really resonate with them right like that yeah. like you're living in a very isolated way you're making these choices and it's working for you, you right you like you're still living live in a world where you don't have to come into contact with people of color right no it's true like but like you, we don't want to either i mean it's not, you make it sound like <laughs> I'm not I'm not looking to
0: go there <laughs> I'm I'm in no way making a sweeping statement that people <laughs> should want to be around these people good right, oh, lord that's right, that's it's right. just like but you know I think that's one of the reasons that like the white Australian ideal is what was exported through like Murdoch press right because it's yeah. this idea of your living where you know we've essentially are er- like eradicated the first peoples because we did yeah. the stolen generation we have Christianity and Catholicism here and you know, we taught them all English and we took them away from their families. It's done now. We've colonized. And, like. And we've made it better. Yeah, and they're our beaches now. This is where we get yeah. to be fit and, like, you know. Yeah. Like, I, was, I saw this the other day from some guy who was like, oh, I love making content to up, like, I've been living in America and I love upsetting, um, like, I love upsetting Americans as an Australian, blah, 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 blah. And one of the first things he said, he was like, everyone here, like, is so fat. And I was like, that's the Australian identity. That's it. It's we're fit, we're healthy, we're golden from the beach, we're not pasty white, we're like this attractive blonde kind of ideal that is super fit and what's the Thor guy? Hemsworth. Yeah. Yeah, you're a Hemsworth, exactly. Yes. Even though most of them aren't. Um, You're telling me, wait. But most Australian men don't look like Chris Hemsworth? Yeah, and most women don't look like fucking Kylie Minogue. Like, shocker. Or Nicole Kidman, right? Like, shocker. Um, And I, I really, yeah, there's this kind of sense of whiteness, I think, that comes with money where you're like, oh, I'm now separated from all the lower class people. That means I get to live comfortably in my racism without having to call it racism because it's about class. Right. And I'm amongst my people and the people that, you know, we're all... And doing, anybody could be with doing me... doing business. Yeah, anybody could be with me
1: any race
0: and yeah. they were my class. Yeah, exactly. Which is yep. why, like, you know, they were probably all chubby down there in the submarine. I do
1: think this, that that one thing that is so tough about um, race is that in that instance that um, the P- Pakistani people... Mm. Their privilege trumped their race, right? Like, and I do think that a lot of Asians in America forget our privilege trumps our race. Not, not all Asians are privileged, but a chunk of them are, um, and they forget. Anyway, we could talk about this forever. But... I think we're into like two hours now at this point. So, but <laughs> you will have to hear those things on Patreon. Because we always have extra clips on Patreon, mm-hmm.
0: uh-huh. um, and, and you video, can use sign up. We got all and kinds and of and polls. Stuff. You tell us what to say. We're in yeah, for well, it. I uploaded some content from the Hannah Gatsby show. From uh... oh, people really enjoyed that show. I was told nice. Yeah, you mean our our show, not the actual our show,
1: not the actual show. Not the actual, <laughs> show. Not the actual <laughs> show. I did really love. There was an article in the art newspaper about the show, and it was basically mm-hmm. like after our podcast came out and i was like we were on the right track uh, anyway you can uh, always follow us uh, yeah on apple podcasts or anywhere podcasts are available feel free to review you can see clips from our show at artlust underscore podcast on tiktok if you have topic suggestions feedback or sponsorship offers you can email okay. us at artlustpodcast at gmail.com you can follow me Sema at
0: a-r-t-l-u-s-t and you uh, you can follow me at DarkroomVarmin, uh, Darkroom, as you'd expect, V-A-R-M-I-N-T. We really appreciate you, gang. We we do love doing this. It's, I don't think I've met someone who loves to sit down and have a yarn about just like cultural theory and literacy as much as I do on a regular basis. It's true. <laughs> we <laughs> it's do really this. Nice. We actually have so much to say every week. It's sort of astonishing. I know. I'm waiting <laughs> for the day that we start releasing video content and someone's like, oh, these two again, so many opinions. I, that's when I know that we're doing the reflect like, the best job.
1: Oh, I hope somebody says that.
0: Stop talking. No,
1: we will not.
0: I can't wait. I'm going to make some. Got to make some controversial, upsetting statements. We going to upset the men. Yeah. I feel like that's actually. I do
1: like have to say. I don't know that. I think it's pretty easy to upset the men. I don't know that we're gonna to have to try real hard. They're so. They're, there's so. a, there's so. a,